Well, good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank God that uh, we're here and not in the hospital. A lot of people are in the hospital. And so far, me and you are not one of them. That's a blessing, isn't it? Thankful to be back in the house of the Lord. We've had a little bit of uh, uh, traveling, some of us, and getting hope, hopefully getting back into the groove. And uh, I guess we got some illness this morning going around, and I hope we'll pray for them. And I hope the Lord will uh, hope the Lord will heal them and bless them. And I hope the Lord will bless you and I. Came out to his house this morning. <clears throat> you know, it's uh, we do not we do not see in the present state we're in how it is important how important it is for us to consider God in our lives. I mean, we get up in the morning and we go to work or we do our thing and and we we eat our meals and that's good and uh, but. How much time do we spend thinking about where we shall spend eternity? <clears throat> you know, the devil wants people to think that this life is all they are to it. You know, you, uh, you just come into the world and, and you grow up and you, and you uh, do your things that you, uh, you, you want to do or that you're, uh, the, the opportunities that you have and some opportunities are good <laughs> and some opportunities are not good. Sometimes we do things we don't like to do. But uh, we go through life and, and the devil <clears throat> would like for us never to think about eternity. I mean, I've talked to a few people and and, you know, they had an attitude, well, Mr. Pollard, I'm going to just wait and see how it turns out. Well, you can do that. But it will turn out. And it will turn out the way God said it would turn out. And, and uh, <clears throat> my wife was looking at a statistic yesterday of, they, uh, they were finding out through uh, questionnaires to people and, and uh, how many people in America are church attending people. And uh, <clears throat> they gave, they gave it uh, what I saw. I didn't see it all. They gave the five States in America that's least church attending weekly. Weekly. Now, that's all churches. The last church, the last state with the least amount of people, 17% of the population attended church weekly. Now, you got to you got to factor in when you get that. You got to factor in people that goes to Catholic churches and people goes to uh, uh, the Reformation churches, and so so when you consider that, 
How many people in America goes to true churches? And your mind can just run wild. And uh, I don't say that to be critical. I just say it to let people like you and I to, to remind us of how little people think of God. I mean, even if they're in a false denomination, they have a thought of God in one way or another. But, man, when Jesus said, wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction, and many go then thereat, but straight and narrow is the way that leadeth to everlasting life, and few there be that find it. I'm just reminded, I'm just reminded and you know another thing it reminds me of? It reminds me that <clears throat> the Lord could come back any day. A lot of people's got certain goals that they think the Lord's going uh, gonna to do before he comes. And, and there was some things that he, he said would happen before he came back. One thing he said would happen before he came back, that it would be that it would be as in the days of Noah. That's a pretty sad commentary. The days of Noah. What does the days of Noah mean to me and you? Well, let's stop and think just a minute. Book of Genesis, God told Noah, verse, chapter 6 of Genesis, uh, the world was wicked, and the Bible says, the imagination of man's thought were evil continually from his youth up. That's what it was, the days of Noah. Anybody see any relationship to that, to our generation? There. I, I'm, it, it blows my mind when I think the gods in America. They purposely do football on Sunday. And I don't, I don't watch it. If you do, that's your business. But I have seen uh, occasionally they fill a stadium with 120,000 people to worship football. And we come to a church that presents Christ and Him crucified for the sins of the world, and we can't get 120. Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing her. I'm just saying, are you going to be one of the few? See, there's few that, be, that find it. That's a sad verse of the Bible. I wished it was said, boy, there's going to be many find it. But Jesus didn't say that. He said there'd just be a few find it. And I've met a few people in my lifetime said, well, this church over here is bound to be right because they got more people. Wait a minute. People's minds of deciding in religion is what's wrong with it. See? Now you can decide that you're going to seek Christ. I understand that. 
You can decide that. See? But you can't cause God to forgive your sins except you repent. See? That's a prerequisite to go, to being saved. You must repent. See? And not many people want to repent. Repentance is something uh, Paul said God chose the lowly things and uh, in, in Corinthians. And, and the lowly things uh, uh, includes, I think, repentance. See, one preacher preached and said, if you're saved, the hardest thing you ever done was kill yourself out to the old man. And I think that's right. Somebody says, is it easy to get saved? Yeah, after you, after you get convicted and convinced that you're going to hell. <clears throat> See, the gospel is not good news until you find out you need good news. All right. So much for the preface this morning. We'll be looking at St. John chapter 18 this morning for our lesson. Thank you for being here. I hope and pray that the Lord's good to you, and I hope and pray you'll have a good day today. St. John chapter 18. If my memory serves me correctly, I got down to verse 12. Now this is where Jesus is being arrested, where he's being arrested. And, uh, and this account is going to give the things that happened to him as he was being apprehended. So I hope you'll follow me this morning in John chapter 18, verse 12. Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went, then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Now, Peter is the one, you remember, that said, Lord, I'm going to die with you. Of course, Peter was hoping that the Lord would say, Gird on your swords, because I'm gonna be like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like uh, Joshua of the old Bible, and we're gonna conquer this bunch and throw the Romans out. Well, that's what Peter really had hoped for, and he hoped that was gonna happen. But but Peter was Peter was defeated. And, and I'm not criticizing Peter. If I'd have been there, I'd have probably felt defeated at this moment because uh, the prophecy had been 
that, that the Messiah is going to come and, uh, and uh, the government's going to be up on his shoulder and, and he is going to establish his kingdom. And, uh, and nobody has told Peter at this point, not yet. <laughs> not yet. So, so I don't want to be too critical of Peter. You know, I mean, after all, Peter was a man, and, and uh, uh, but Jesus allowed Peter to go through some weakness that he might be strengthened. In fact, he's already said, Peter, Satan has desired thee that he might sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. And when thou art strengthened, when thou, when thou art converted, strengthen the brother. Now, he wasn't talking about Peter being saved there. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about Peter putting on the whole armor of God. He was talking about Peter getting more, more fitted for the battle. And, and can I say this? In respect. Peter, at this point, is not fitted for the battle. Now, I'm not criticizing him because Jesus knew that he was going to have to die alone. See, I mean, the apostles, uh, when, when he was arrested, uh, we'll read this, they were scattered. See, all right, let me read on here. I'm at verse 17. Uh, let me read 16 again. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of the ma this man's disciples? He said, I am not. The servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Then the, the, the high priest, now let me say this, Peter is denying that he knew Jesus. We as Christians, we look at that, and I've heard it preached on, you have too, well, let me ask a question. When you and I are in the world, do we deny we know Jesus? Do we deny we know Jesus? I know that it's... I know the opportunities out there and... Uh, could I just could I just ask this question? Don't answer me. When you eat out at a cafe, do you bow your head and bless your food? Show people you're a Christian. I know it's hard on the flesh sometimes, but we are witnesses for Him, right. and we need to be. And I understand when you're when you're on a job. Uh, you can't necessarily just take time out to preach a message to your client 
But sometimes, you know, you have an opportunity when you can put it in there properly and make it fit. And uh, hopefully the Lord will uh, have some benefit from it. And even, even if nobody responds, it's a place where you can stand for the Lord. And I hope and pray that we'll not be too critical of Peter because we have weak moments too, don't we? <laughs> See, we have weak moments also. But back to the lesson now. Then the high priest asked Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Now what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, why are you asking me? Because I have been amongst you for three and a half years, and I did it in the synagogues and the temples, and you know what I was speaking. Of course, what the high priest is doing is trying to set Jesus up to catch him in a lie. Right. That's what he's trying to do. So he is going back and, and, uh, and examining him, which, you know, under the Jewish law, uh, they had a right to do a certain amount of this. But, uh, and Jesus said, Why askest thou me? Ask them that heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I have said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? So we have here the beginning, the beginning of Jesus uh, receiving punishment that God had foreordained upon him. See? Right here. The, the one, somebody struck him on the face. Jesus answered, verse 23, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of evil. But if, I, but if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said, they said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being the kinsman whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. So, what are we having here? What do we got this situation? Uh, Peter is being asked by certain people, don't you know Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? And, and I have to say, and I'm, I believe you'll agree with me, this was a hard time for Peter to answer and testify for the Lord. Now, two things are happening here. Number one, 
Peter's weakness is being displayed. Number two, the scripture is being fulfilled because the Lord had to suffer alone. Now, if I should go to uh, Matthew 26, let me go there and spend a little time. Matthew 26. Look at verse 57. Now what Matthew is going to do, he is going to tell us the same incident with a different writer. Okay? And I did this so that we can see some of the things that John skipped over. All right? If I start reading at verse 57, I'm in Matthew 26. I will start over. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. See, that gives us a picture there of what's going on. But Peter followed, followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Now that's a, that's a real important statement right there. They sought witnesses, false witnesses, to put the Lord to death. But the scripture says they found none. That is very significant in that Jesus, why why was he crucified? Why was he crucified? They found no, no fault in him. See? They found no fault in him. They found none, yea, through many, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, he did say that. But the temple of God was not that temple that Herod built. It was his body. And his body is the temple of God. See, I mean, I read in Revelation the other day where there was no temple in the New Jerusalem for God and the Lamb or the temple thereof. See? Temple is a worship place. So it's a place of worship. All right? So they said here, uh, let me find my place. Verse 61. Uh, I read that. Okay, 62. Let me read 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it? What is it which these witnesses 
against thee. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. So we see here, we see here that the Lord is trying he is telling them that, that he is telling them here that I say that hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. And now we see that he's saying, trying to tell the high priest, yes, I am the Christ. I have preached it for three and a half years, but you don't believe it. See, you don't believe it. And he said in another place, he said, he told the Jews, he said, if you believe not, I am he, you shall die in your sins. The he, what's that reference to? It's reference to the Bible that foretells that Jesus Christ is coming. And so if they don't believe that, well, the high priest they are Jewish in nature, in religion. And at this time that Jesus was here, the Jews were, they, they were keepers of the law. They thought. Now, nobody keeps the law. A lot of people try to keep the law. How many people have you heard say, well, I'm doing my best. Don't you think that'll be good enough? See? Well, no, it won't be. As I said before, and I hope you'll believe it, to go to heaven after you die, you have got to be perfect. And I know you adults saying, but I can't be perfect. You're right. So if you can't be perfect, you better get into somebody that is. See? As John said, in John, I believe it's chapter 2, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See? Jesus Christ was sent to be the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died as your substitute, as my substitute. On Calvary, being judged of sin like we are, we should have been on the cross. That was punishment that, that was ascribed to sinners. You say, well, was Jesus a sinner? No, not in himself, but he took on our sins and went to Calvary and suffered in my place. Suffered in your place. So he is trying to get this over to the high priest. Uh, verse 65, 
Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard this blasphemy. What thank you? And they answered, He is guilty of death. Now can you imagine a trial where they had the witnesses could not could not condemn the accused? Could you imagine that they said he's worthy of death? See? Now you and I don't quite understand that, but if I related over to what Peter preached uh, on the day of Pentecost, he said, yeah, I know that he was delivered by the determinate will of God. That means Christ was delivered to death. But Peter said, but ye have taken wicked hands and delivered him. And Peter was preaching that they're guilty. See, that's what you and I as sinners have to come to conclude. We're guilty. You say, well, what am I guilty of, Mr. Pollard? We're guilty of breaking the law of God. See? And, of course, the, the fleshly answer to that is, well, I've done the best I could. Uh, I, I really don't think that I deserve to die. I don't think I deserve hell. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God said it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And that's where we're going. We're all going to judgment. We're all going to die. If the Lord don't come before you reach the, your deathly age, so, so the high priest here is trying and does find a way to accuse Jesus Christ although he's innocent. He's innocent. Now all of this plays into the scriptures that forecast the death of Christ. See, this is leading up to it. Verse 67 in Matthew says, Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? 